You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everybody. This is Mission Lab, and I'm delighted to be here with my good friend Ty Gibson. I'm here in his office. His this is your office right it's here, Ty. Office. It doesn't look like much, <laughs> it doesn't look like much of an office because it's basically a workspace, so it doesn't look traditional in any sense. Yeah. Uh, if you if you look in any direction, what you see is books and papers and files and just stuff of that nature and uh, a little bit of exercise equipment because all yeah. I do here is oxygenate my frontal lobe and write. <laughs> okay, yeah, and there's no desk per se. Nah, but. I don't do the desk thing because I travel so much over the years that I've formed the habit of uh, my lap with my laptop being wow. my desk. And so I have a sofa and you'll notice, Sean, that my sofa was specifically chosen because if you pay attention to it, you can just be working, 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 mm -hmm. and then notice at each end, there's a nice flat surface that's a little bit cushy, wow. and you can just take yourself a little nappy poo. Wow. Now, I will have to take a picture of this and post why it yeah, why not? for the listeners, because I know they're... This, this sofa is perfectly designed for uh, working and napping. Wow. Huge, huge. Well, yeah. I'm sorry that you had to hear that without visualizing it, but hopefully we'll put a picture up on, on the Twitter and you can see it. Uh, as much as I like to continue talking about your furniture, like you can yeah, tell me yeah. about this piece right here. No. <laughs> no. Um, um, I'm here in Ty's office in Jasper, Oregon. And uh, as you can't tell already, I am, we're on my phone again trying to record this, which I think will be passable. But uh, I've been privileged to be out here in Jasper uh, teaching at the school that Ty is uh, the head of, uh, Arise, great school, little school. Well, one, of, one of the heads of. We have, one, yes. yeah, yeah, we have a few primary instructors, myself, um, James Rafferty, uh, Jeffrey Rosario, David Asherick, myself are the primary instructors. And then we're blessed to have people like you mm. who uh, come in as adjuncts. Adjunct. And like that. that sounds important. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just a descriptive word that essentially <laughs> says that, uh, that, that we have some people who come in and they contribute vital insights regarding... Um, aspects of, of ministry and theology and history and biblical perspective uh, to augment what we're teaching. There so, yeah. But it's all framed within the story of yeah, who yeah, God yeah. is. Our, our curriculum is called the story. Mm -hmm. And we do here what uh, we affectionately call narrative theology. And what we mean by that is we look at uh, everything in the context of the unfolding storyline of God's uh, amazing, unfailing love, his interactions in real time down through history with human beings. And so we, we move through, uh, you know, whatever the 
whatever the doctrine is, I put the word doctrine there in quote marks, um, because um, doctrine is a word that simply means teaching. Mm -hmm. It just means, and it's a good word, but it's a better word when it's in the context of the unfolding story, when it's narrative in its context and base. And so uh, whether we're talking about you know, the second coming or um, the Trinity or the fall of mankind or the nature of sin or uh, the nature of man. Any of those doctrines uh, for us in this curriculum fall within the unfolding story mm-hmm. of God's interactions with human beings. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let's hit the the topic I want to, to speak on um, okay. to, to, to to chat about we you and I and Yamil uh-huh. Rosario, uh, we spent like five hours last night in your living room. It was fun. It, it, was, it, it was exhausting too. It got to the point of <laughs> uncontrollable giggles for me. But I warned you guys that if we stay up too late, we keep talking about incredibly wonderful things. Yeah. That I start to giggle at some yeah. point and yeah, and can't stop. Point. Yeah, we, we got to that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed by the way that Yamil didn't come. Did you purposely like make sure he didn't come to this little recording session? No, this is. Your, this is your gig. Uh, okay, you I, I, I invited I both know. of you. I, oh, it was the did. same thread. But oh, I thought we were going to do two podcasts. One oh, we with could him, do. Okay, that's a good idea as you well. You should go trap him somewhere. All right, so I'll do that. I'll it. do that. Okay. Be that as it may. All right, here's the question that I want to grapple okay. with. We okay. were grappling with last night. Um, what's the current state of our our community of faith, and presumably the wider Christian world? How are we doing? Abysmal. That's the first <laughs> word that comes to mind. And, you know, I don't want to be a prophet of doom for two reasons. Number one, I'm not a prophet. Number two, I'm an eternal optimist. Um, and and I, I tend to to work within the parameters of, of what's possible and to believe that a lot is possible. But I, but I will say that what's happening um, is that, that our particular denomination, but I think this is true of denominations in general uh, in the West, in Western culture, in Westernized culture, wherever that uh, is manifesting in any kind of a pronounced manner. I think that uh, what we're witnessing is that we're dying a slow, painful death of irrelevance. Mm. And uh, what I mean by that is that we are not speaking the language of the culture the way that Jesus did, the way that Paul did, the way that um, the, the apostolic church did. I mean, we have blurred a line, um, this is my perspective, in which we have, we have moralized everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, uh, as a church, uh, oftentimes reflecting the surrounding dichotomies and polarities of our political culture, rather than prophetically speaking above it and into it. In other words, we're not setting course. We're kind of in the flow of the general kind of zeitgeist of of the age right now. The popular culture is divisive. Um, It is petty. Oftentimes, and uh, and we need to. I believe that we need to major in majors, not major in minors. And I think that Jesus was deliberately incarnational, 
he came down. He met us where we are. Um, he took our humanity upon himself. He adopted, you know, the language of the culture into which he was born, both uh, in the literal linguistic sense, but also in the cultural linguistic sense. Uh, and he he was a man for his times. And we're 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 kind of in a I don't know we're in a 1952 time warp or something. We're we we, th we think that 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 we need to to make issues out of things that aren't issues, and thereby we are oftentimes barring people from entrance into fellowship with Christ because we magnify things um, into divisive issues. You know, I, 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 as far as the state of the church um, in general, let me just say this, that, that all of the data, just the raw data, is speaking to us rather clearly. Hmm. Um, in North America, just to use North America as an example, um, uh, we're witnessing a, a basic trend. And the basic trend is anybody who's in leadership in the church knows, uh, even though it's not comfortable to face it or to talk about it much. And so we try to talk beyond it and above it and around it. But we all know that um, gradually what's happening is that the culture around us is not paying attention to anything we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care what our opinion is, and they, they're not listening in. And, and it's becoming an increasingly, as we know, secular culture. And because it's increasingly more and more secular, it's increasingly more and more biblically illiterate. But we're still assuming, a moment ago when I said we're kind of in a 1952 time warp, what I meant by that is that in our teaching modalities, in our language, and in the way we process information and quote unquote do church, we assume biblical literacy. Mm -hmm. we, we assume biblical authority, in fact. We assume that if you quote a Bible verse, people should sit up and take notice and say, ah, I didn't know the Bible said that. Let me just post haste obey. <laughs> Let me just do what it says. But increasingly, we're not in a culture, in a world in which people assume that the Bible has authority. They don't even know what the Bible says. And to many people in our world today, in our culture today, which, by the way, is the culture I was raised in, so I totally identify with it, um, the Bible is literature. It's ancient literature. It's on the same level as, uh, you know, Shakespeare, Shakespeare the Iliad, uh, you know, Jane Austen, for crying out loud. It's just, it's just ancient stuff that was written by ancient people and doesn't have a whole lot of relevance for today. Well, we, of course, know that the Bible is super duper relevant, but we have tended to make it irrelevant by the way we deal with it, handle it, deliver it, frame it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's one of the things that, that is going on in the culture. The church is, is dying so that in North America, um, first-generation um, immigrants who come to the United States, precious sons and daughters of God, um, are attracted to their language group mm -hmm. and because they're in a foreign culture right now. Okay, so, so you, have, you have the illusion of strength in some regards 
in that you can go to a city like, you know, Atlanta or New York or L.A. or San Jose or Boston, and you can find some Seventh-day Adventist churches and some Baptist churches and some Presbyterian churches where there are a bunch of people attending. Mm -hmm. um, but what you don't find is you don't find any really uh, robustly active and engaged multi-generational Americans. Now, I'm not talking about race here. Mm. I'm not talking about the color of skin or the, the, the background of a person's ethnicity. It doesn't matter. Second generation out, a group of, you know, a, a Romanian church, a Korean church, uh, you know, a group of people from Ireland, it doesn't matter. First generation, they're going to gravitate toward people like them. Second generation, their kids and their kids' kids. Come on, they're just Americans. Yeah. They're, they're, just, they're just westernized individuals who aren't anymore attracted to, to Christianity and Adventism than anybody else in the popular culture. And so all of that is to say that gradually, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, I don't know how long it's going to take, but, but there's a trend, and the trend is that we're going to see that in the urban areas, um, Adventist churches are going to be largely composed of first-generation immigrants, praise God, mm -hmm. um, but increasingly not speaking with relevance to multi-generational Americans who are steeped in secularism, who are gradually two, three generations out from their immigrant parents, more and more affluent and have more purchasing power. You know, now they've gotten jobs. They went to schools. They got educations. They bought a house in, in the burbs. You know, they're, now they're as, you know, lacking in susceptibility because the, 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 the sheer inertia of the culture is so heavy and so, so permanently stagnant that it's just saying you don't need anything. You don't need a solitary thing. Mm -hmm. You don't need anything. You've got a car. You've got a house. You've got food. You've got and, and you've got movies and iPhones, and, and it's an endless smorgasbord of materialism. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the only way that I think we could move forward is to somehow um, extract ourselves as Seventh-day Adventists and, and Christians in general from demanding that people hear us on the basis of authority. Mm. And on our terms. And on our terms and on the basis of authority. In, in other words, we can't speak down mm. to the population anymore with a Bible in our hands as if the Bible says this, therefore you ought. Mm -hmm. The new evangelistic currency for this culture is empathy, not authority. Mm. Mm. That is... One of the most important things that I think the church can realize is that people aren't going to believe and come because we tell them so, or because we have authority over them, or because we have an authoritative book in our hand that ought to dictate their mm -hmm. direction in life. Mm -hmm. I think that increasingly evangelism 
and what we sometimes call soul winning <laughs> needs to move away from short little authority events we're telling you, therefore you ought, hey, come over here. We just sent out a million brochures. You should come to our meetings and because what we have to say matters. It needs to move away from that. I mean, it is going to move away from, it is moving away, <laughs> it's moving away from us. You know, we either, we're either going to euthanize it ourselves or it's going to die in our hands while we're using it. So, so, so here's the thing, here's the thing. It's, it's got to move in the direction not of, hey, we're authoritative source of truth telling you what you ought to believe and do come to us because we're having an event mm -hmm. well they're just they're just increasingly not coming it needs to move more in the direction of interacting with people on the level of their actual existence mm. so it's going to have to take on more the feeling of actually loving people for for who they are and where they are with no spoken or unspoken agenda beyond doing right because it is right and being good to people for goodness sake. Hmm. And in doing that, reflecting the image of Jesus with such clarity and beauty that people by osmosis take in the ethos of the gospel into their minds and hearts um, as it's permeating them through the way we relate to them. Mm. So, so living out the gospel is increasingly far more. It always has it been. Always has okay, been. it always has been. We just, you know, we, Took a deep we floated our boat into the iceberg out there that the, the same iceberg I think it was at the Titanic yeah, same yeah okay same one so it's always been more more powerful mm -hmm. to to do and to be than to shout and to scream and mm -hmm. now that doesn't negate preaching I mean our preacher for crying out loud you're preaching right I'm now I'm a preacher I'm for a preacher 12 minutes time. 12 minutes are you well, trying to tell me something 30. no no no, no. okay so, so, you're so setting a record yeah yeah a record oh a record yeah with uh, uninterrupted oh, monologue. Well, you asked podcast. me a question. I know, I know. No, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't, 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 don't stop me now. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, uh, let me just repeat, because this is my bottom line. Uh, empathy, not authority. Yeah. Um, people need to look into our eyes and see response. Mm. People need to feel the touch of skin on skin. People need to know that we are concerned about them for their sake, mm. not that we're concerned about them for our sake. Mm. Um, and like yeah, 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 that's, like that. that's at some point that's going to come through, but <laughs> it's going to have to come through because, because we're committing a slow death of irrelevance. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's in the culture. Now we have a lot of, we have a lot of musical churches going on where people are just hopping from church to church. You know, they're just saying, Oh, that one has a Starbucks in the mm. foyer. Mm -hmm. I'll go to that one, or that one's closer to my house, or, or that one has a, a cool pastor with a cool haircut. Mm -hmm. Whatever. That, that doesn't, you don't have a cool haircut because you oh, have no hair, but I, I didn't bring that up. You rubbed your head when oh, I said I that. This isn't on video, so no, now it sounds true. like I'm cruel and I'm that's not. All right. That's all right. That's all okay, right. so, so here's, 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 here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of people just church hopping mm -hmm. because we've created a spectator culture mm -hmm. for church. It's a consumer culture for church. Mm -hmm. um, 
So who has the, you know, the coolest vibe, mm -hmm. but it's not really about who has the coolest vibe because if it is, we can't compete. Mm, we can't true. compete. Okay, so it has to be about life, mm -hmm. actual life. And, and increasingly, we're going to have to completely retool Mm -hmm. um, Christianity in general, Adventism in particular, that's the faith community we're involved, needs to be completely um, reworked from the ground up mm -hmm. if, we're going to, if we're going to speak with relevance to the culture around us. Mm -hmm. we, we haven't shot ourselves in the foot. That would be bad enough. We've shot ourselves in the torso. <laughs> We're bleeding out. <laughs> We're bleeding out. Yeah. Why did we laugh when we said that? We're know. bleeding out. That was nervous laughter. Yeah, that was, was the uncomfortable was, was nervous bad. laughter of no, we're dying. Okay, so yeah, we're in the process yeah. of of uh, of of losing the battle um, with the culture around us, precisely because we think we're in a battle with the culture around us. Mm, okay. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. I have like so many one-liners here that yeah, are really yeah. good. Um, I was going to say the really really good news is that all of us as a church. And, and leaders in particular yeah. are very, very, very aware of how dire a situation we're in, right? Isn't that really good news? Yeah, yeah. But you didn't ask me for good news. You asked no, me. No, I'm, I, I'm actually being very, very... We're being diagnostic here. I, I'm being very, very sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. Because we were talking last night yeah. that it seems to be yeah. either people are basically unaware uh -huh. of how bad a situation we're in, yeah. or we pay lip service to, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. Because I've been hearing for a long time that the growth in the native population yeah. is not, there's no growth, yeah. and we pay lip service and say, oh, yeah, we got to do something. But we haven't made the, no. the seismic paradigm shift no. that is necessary. No, we haven't, and the reason we haven't is because, because that kind of paradigm shift requires doing life with people. It requires mm. being messy. It requires feeling pain. It requires mm. loving people, if, even if they don't convert. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it requires, you know, drawing close to people and not feeling threatened by the fact that they don't, in this moment, believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. But we, we take the easy route out. Um, as you say, church leaders in general know that we're, we're bleeding out in the West. Mm -hmm. And so rather than retooling, rather than, than recalibrating, rather than reinventing, um, we just do two-week mission trips to uh, countries where we can, um, you know, make ourselves feel like we're fulfilling the gospel commission <laughs> by baptizing oodles and oodles of people in two-week events with, a, with very strong emotional appeals. Yeah. And... You know, and that's coming from an evangelist. That's coming from somebody who, who preaches and baptizes and baptizes people. <laughs> sometimes oodles and oodles of them. Okay, so so uh, this is this is not only diagnostic in an external sense, but it's diagnostic in a personal sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a part of the problem, Sean. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not above the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm as much. Um, kind of, you know, enveloped in this thing that's killing us 
as anybody else. And I'm just trying to be introspective and look and say, okay, you know what, you know, we should go to the mission field. We should, you know, preach the gospel. But I just, because this isn't on video, I have to tell them when I said we should go to the mission field, I did that whole quote mark thing with my fingers because the fact is this is the mission field. Mm -hmm. Oregon, mm -hmm. you know, Maine, mm -hmm. Orlando, Florida, L.A. is the mission field. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, you know, few years, um, people in South and Central America and, and Africa start sending missionaries to the United States. Mm -hmm. I think it's happening. In some, some denominations, yeah. they do that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. we're the mission field now. Yeah. We're the mission field now. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, the good news is that, that the gospel is the most powerful force ever released into motion in human history. And if we can get hold of it in its practical implications and start really seeing people, you know, with names and histories mm -hmm. um, and hearing their stories and interacting with them on a practical level, um, the gospel is as powerful as it's ever been. Mm. Um, you know, the, the problem by and large is that we don't know what it is anymore. We, mm. we, we have become, mm. you know, pop psychologists and mm. moralizers, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. moral. We think that now uh, big segments of the church, God help us. We think our, we think our calling is to be the moral police of the culture, mm. to impose and to protest against and to impose, to, to legislate even, um, what, what we believe on an unbelieving culture. And it just puts a bad taste in their mouth. Mm. We're, not, we're not the moral police of the culture. We're, we're called to preach the good news to, to a culture that is awash in every form of immorality. Mm. You know, this is, the church is a conduit of grace, mm. not judgment. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, need, we, need, we need a revival of gospel understanding. Mm. Um, what we don't need is more seminars on, you know, the bad music that people shouldn't be listening to and the, 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 you know, all the, you know, whether the right kind of food is being served at the potluck and, you know, whether people are wearing suits and ties <laughs> to church or not. I mean, these are the issues we're focused on and it's not that there's no significance to them. Um, it's that they really do have no significance outside of the context of the gospel whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, we, yeah. It's funny to me, and we have to wind down here, but it's funny to me that what, what if we just took the principles of heaven? Like, let's just imagine for a moment that we're 100 years from now, mm -hmm. hopefully five years from yeah. now, we're there in heaven having a good time. What are the principles and what, what is the substance of heaven that we'll be experiencing? Will we all be wearing suits, you know? Like, will we be trying to, trying to change people what they're wearing or, or, or playing or whatever? It's like, let's just bring that down here now and, yeah. and make the, the main things the main things. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to be wearing suits in heaven. In <laughs> fact, if we're going back to Eden, we're all going to be stark raving nude. That's, yeah, amen. So we shouldn't yeah. implement that right away. <laughs> 
You gotta start a new church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think that if we were to implement the principles of heaven here and now, that that Jesus came into the world to basically show us what the principles of heaven are about. Mm -hmm. And the principles of heaven are in two words, incarnation and service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. We need to, you know, we mentioned suits and ties, you know, tongue in cheek, but just to use them as a point in case, you know, and, and I'm a guy who I own suits. I have ties. I, I think, uh, you know, a guy on the right occasion looks fine in them, but it's not a moral issue. We've made it a moral issue. We don't know. This is how far afield we are of what's right, what's wrong. Um, the tie itself is a phallic symbol. It's a, mm -hmm. dare I say, it's a penis. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the, the, it, it came out of the French Revolution and previous um, revolutionary movements as a sign of testosterone. In other words, in time of war, we're going we're gonna to win this war and we've got the We've got the phallic symbol around our neck to prove that we're more potent and powerful than you are, our enemy. But, you know, there's nothing right or wrong about it. It's a, it's a fashion mm -hmm. accessory. Mm -hmm. I mean, but we don't know what it means. It's, it, it doesn't have any Christian origins. It doesn't have any background in holiness. It's, but we've made it an issue because we don't know what the real issues are. Mm -hmm. We major in minors when we don't really drink in the substance of the majors. Mm -hmm. um, we're, 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 we're vacuous. We're empty inside. And so we magnify outward tests as a way of not dealing with the secret guilt that we're petting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, we've got horrible things going on in our attitudes toward people. But by golly, we're wearing ties. <laughs> And we're, and we're listening to the right music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyways. So listen, we got to wrap this up, okay? So I want you in two minutes, oh, just two, two, to tell me very practically, because you and I yeah. tend to be a little more theoretical. Yeah. In two minutes. Two minutes. Practically, what can we do to address the fact that we're dying this death? Two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Number one, we need to practice the art of truth-telling. We need to reckon with reality and, and, and quit creating the illusion of success when we baptize a bunch of people suddenly um, and, and then fail to follow through to realize that, well, you know, a year or two down the road, not many of them are left mm -hmm. because there wasn't a whole lot to what we gave them. So tell ourselves the truth. Number two, I think that, that Adventism in particular, but Christianity in general, needs to become overtly, intentionally gospel-centered, which sounds so cliche, so I'm going to fill it out. We need to talk about who God is and what God has done for all people universally, regardless of anybody doing anything to earn it or to get their act together. We need to give good news, not good advice. Um, the church isn't a, isn't a self-help program that you get in touch with your inner self and, you know, start ascending mm -hmm. morally to higher and higher levels of, you know, success in life. That's not, we're, we're here to, to, to dispense grace to people. So the gospel needs to be our center. And then, and then out of that truth-telling, that stark 
realization of how far afield we are. And, and in a gospel context, we need to begin thinking of evangelism in terms of entering into long-term relationships with individuals. Mm -hmm. Not a mass of people who came in response to our brochure, but a guy named Frank, mm -hmm. a woman named Julie, who has three kids and has been sober from a crack addiction for a year and needs people to eat dinner with her and laugh with her across the table and mm -hmm. love her children because there's nobody there except for her and those kids. We, you know, Julie, Frank, David, whoever, there are people all around us. So it needs to get extremely practical and we just need to start living out the gospel so that we have credibility when we do open our mouths. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to open our mouths after, after loving people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. those are my, those are three, boom, boom, boom. Tell ourselves the truth, um, be emancipated from legalism in all of our thinking and preaching and preach the gospel and draw close to people by name. Cool. That was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, I was going to say anything else, but we've run out of time. We try we to keep these time, nice, so nice and short. Else. Nothing else. No. But thank you, Ty, for welcoming me into your great office. Sure. And uh, we'll have to get you next time. We'll talk more about the tie and the, nah, the background of the tie. <laughs> so thank you all for listening to Mission Lab, and we'll look forward to having you catch up with us next time. Signing out from Oregon. Thanks for listening. Mm. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast.